But look, today we're gonna jump right into what we're doing. This month is Relent, okay? It's, a, it's our, our series for the month. And uh, I mean, if you happen to notice our worship's a little bit different, the flow of our services are a little bit different. This month is all about taking a step back. And, and how many of you know that as you live life, the noise in life just kind of increases, okay? Um, we can't help but easily be distracted. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, from time to time, you gotta take a step back and reevaluate and see kind of where you're at in life. And this month, especially for us, is, is kind of that month to take a step back and say, I mean, obviously we should do it every day, but, but y'all know, I mean, you gotta take a step back sometimes and say, where am I at? Where are we at in regards to our closeness to God? I'm talking like our desire for his presence, our desire to truly know him. We can assume a lot of times that of course we wanna know God, of course, but are we actively trying to like draw close in that relationship or is the noise just kind of drowning that out? And so this month is all about that, uh, a time of drawing close to God. And uh, we're, we're finding the, kind of our theme out of James 4, uh, verse eight. And the first part of it says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Again, this is the theme. And last week we talked about how to draw close to God through devotion. And three aspects we talked about devotion was prayer, word, and worship. And really, if you put those three things together, it's simply communicating with God. Okay, now, now this is one thing I just want to put out there right now. Whenever we talk about uh, topics that are very, I guess, uh, like family, we talk about finances, or when we talk about like, things that we know a, a lot about, there's a lot of interaction. There, I mean, it's like everybody's laughing and having a good time. But sometimes we get into conversations about devotion, and it tends to be more these types of, uh, this type of reaction. Just, you know, and I'm, I'm like, to me, like today, we're gonna be talking about confession and repentance. To me, these topics, like this is, like more exciting <laughs> than about some of the topical things that we go through in life. Although, hey, look, we need to be looking at Monday and how things apply to us. But like sermons like today, this is the lifeblood of our relationship with God. And so even though some of the terms we might use, you've heard a lot throughout your life, I want you today to reapproach them from a, a fresh perspective, realizing that God is the one who has instituted these things and given them as tools for us to connect with him. And that's what we talked about last, last week about devotion. But like I said, this week is about confession and repentance. And those are really under the umbrella of renewal. I, I bet if we actually did it to where everybody raised their hand right now, if I asked the question, how many of you <laughs> need a renewal in your relationship with God? A lot of you, would, if you were honest, would probably raise your hand and say, and I'm just feeling stagnant. And a lot of times, you know how to get out of those places of stagnation isn't always about throwing a party. It might be about falling to your knees, right? We, we tend to approach how to get out of a, a pit from these, these places of uh, a positivity and just like everybody happy clappy. And at other times it should be a reverence and an awe and a, and a submission because maybe that's what God's trying to speak to us. And so that's what this, what this month is kind of about, guys. But confession and repentance, the second part of, of chapter uh, four, verse eight in James says this, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. He says, purify your hearts. Now purity is all throughout the Bible. 
especially the purity of our hearts. Out of, the, out of our hearts flows the issues of our lives. The way that our heart is, the heart condition, is really how we end up acting. It's how we think. It's how we operate. And so the purity of our hearts is so important. Um, if you think about it in regards to diamonds or gold, the purity of it, it makes it more valuable, right? It makes it more valuable. And so our relationships with God, the purity of our hearts in that, I believe, increases the value that we have to affect this world for the kingdom of God. I really believe that, the purity of our hearts. It, it increases the value for God to be able to use us in greater ways, but it also draws us closer to him. Purity is so important. Matthew 5, 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Whenever he said, like it sounds good in the beginning, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. It's like, ah, oh, that's so good. But whenever the, the next part says, for they will see God, I'm gonna be real, that kind of, kind of challenges me a little bit because I think, well, what about those whose hearts are not pure? Like maybe they won't see God or maybe they won't know who God is. I think a lot of people know about God, but because there's impurity in their life, they, they aren't able to draw closer to God in understanding and in revelation. And so they stay at arm's distance. And let me tell you something, if you're at an arm's distance from someone in your life, you don't really understand them. So you might take things that they say incorrectly, right? If you don't know somebody, you're not close to them, when they speak, you're like, I don't really understand you because I don't know you. But as you draw closer to someone, you, you get them, right? How many of you have ever said that before? They just don't get me. It's because they're not close to you, but the closer you are to someone, the more you get them. And it's the same thing with God, but it's so important that we realize purity because purity enables us to draw close to God. It enables us to draw close to God. Now, here's the deal. We can only be pure of sin through Jesus Christ, okay? I wanna make sure that I put it out there because a lot of times in life, we begin to think that we are pure solely upon the fact that we are doing good things. And if you start there, you're already, like you've put the cart before the horse, because we can only be pure through Jesus. And this is why Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The, the payment of sin is death. The result of sin is death. Physical, spiritual, emotional. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy every part of you, not just a, not just a little, like a little sliver, all of you. But the free gift of God, what, what, when something is free, what does that mean? It's a really obvious question. It's not a trick question. It literally means you don't have to do anything for it, right? It's free. It's a free gift of God. The free gift of God is salvation through the blood of Jesus, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And 1 John 2, 2 says, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sin of the whole world. We are born into this issue of sin and we say it a lot, but, but it needs to be said a lot because it gets misconstrued and misinterpreted. You know, there are sins with an S at the end, there's sins, there's things that you do. And then there's the sin nature, what you're born into, all right? And, and so whenever we talk about sin, we're talking about the sin nature, that core natural part that we're just born into, that issue of sin that leads to death. Now, all of us in this room one day are gonna pass away. We're gonna die. And that's one of the effects of sin 
But there's a second death and it's the spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. These are very real. Now we can feel physical death, like we could see it, we could picture it, but eternal death is something that's a little bit more foreign to us, but it's still very real. But Jesus was the sacrifice that paid the price for that sin, correct? And all of you are really excited about that, I can tell. Your faces and like you're smiling and you're like, man, this is the hope of my salvation. I am just like really overjoyed about this. Like, man, just the music that we just sang about, it's just so good, I'm just so happy. But I look like this, right? I, I understand, it's just a lot, to, <laughs> a lot to think through right now. But his blood is the payment for our sin and it's our faith in his sacrifice which justifies us, okay? That's what justifies us when we place our hope, our faith, our trust in that it's a free gift. And then we enter into this process called sanctification, which is where a lot of us are at in this room right now. If you've received Jesus as your Lord, your savior, you've accepted that free gift of salvation, now you're in this process. And we don't really like processes. It's like when you're downloading an app and you're waiting for like the little hourglass looking thing or the time like to get done, you're just like, like that's sanctification right there. That waiting, that patience that you're, you're trying to develop. But simply put, sin leads to death and purity leads to life. Let's just like boil it down to that. If you live a life of sin, okay, at the end of your life or in the process of your life, it's gonna lead to death and death in a lot of different areas. Purity, living a life of purity leads to life. Even right now in this life, right? It leads to life. But listen, Sin is destructive. It's destructive in nature, but the good news is that sin is also defeated. All right? It's defeated. It's, it's sort of like, it's like this really, really dangerous thing, but whenever you expose it for what it is, it loses all of its power. It's, it's sort of like the closet, I mean, the monster in the closet of your kid's bedroom, you know? Where they, they run in, they're freaked out, uh, which if you have a little girl who's about the age of six, like I do, and she runs in your room at like three in the morning. She's got stringy dark hair hanging in her face with this little bitty like nightgown thing. <laughs> Freaks me out every time. Just like, I'm like sleeping and all of a sudden like I feel something, you know? I'm like, ah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like Nacho Libre with the dead guy with the coins on his eyes. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's my, it's my child, it's my child. It's your child, Jordan, don't hit it, you know? <laughs> Seriously, it's scary. But, but what happens, she comes in, she's freaking out. She's like, you know, bad dream, or, or maybe it's the, the whole monster under the bed thing. And what do you do? You go in, you turn the light on, you open up the closet, and you check to make sure that there's nothing, because you, you can never be too, too sure. <laughs> Let's be honest, I don't care how old you are. When your kid says there's something in the closet, <laughs> There's a slight bit of doubt, okay? You open it up and you're just like, see, babe, there's nothing in there. <laughs> like, you, take, you take a glance and then you look away because you're just, there's always that sliver of fear. <laughs> Come on, even you dudes, you know, whenever you turn the light off in the hallway at night, it's pitch black. Like, you don't walk like this. No, no, you're like... Like, you, you know that there's something behind you, right? Like, it's still there. I don't care. <laughs> I could go on a while about that one because uh, from time to time, 
from time to time. It happens. But um, I will not be fearful of the dark. I will not be. I am fearful. I'm scared. Turn on the light. But uh, it's fine. So, but you turn on the light. It exposes all of that. And then all of a sudden there's a calm. And, and look, sin is like darkness. Whenever the light of God is shown upon it, it loses all of its power. It loses all of the sting of it. It loses it. That's what Jesus did. It was this huge monster in the closet. Jesus died on the cross and all of a sudden everybody's like, wait, it's not, actually it has no power now. That's exactly what the gospel says. It's what the the cost that Jesus paid. That's why it's so important that we understand that and live by that. But God gives us the tools that we need to remove the power of sin and expose the lies and the deception that it brings in our, and it creates in our own lives. And these two tools that we're gonna talk about today are confession and repentance. Now, these two words are, they're kind of like a lot of words in our English language where if you say them, they sound terrible, but it's because we really don't know what they mean. You know what I'm talking about? In, in church, whenever you say confession and repentance, it's usually like confession. Like that's what we hear in our heads, right? We're like repent. People yelling at you to repent. Whenever really these are two very positive words and the meaning behind them are very, uh, they're very useful. And there's something that we should probably talk more about more consistently. But I was thinking about words that we don't really know what they mean. So they kind of freak us out when we first hear them. So I brought a couple for all of you here today. Words like abdormition. Does anybody know what this means in, in here? What? What? No, I don't believe you. What is it? Come on. Were you in the first service? No. Everybody give it up for her knowing what abdormition is. <laughs> I would have never guessed. Nobody else in this whole room knew what that meant? One person. All right. Oh, it means when your arm or leg falls asleep, right? So next time you got that tingly thing happening, you're like, you don't want to move your foot because you know, if you move it, it's like fire. You know what I'm talking about? The other day we were at rehearsal and I got up because I had my legs crossed like this and I got up and I was like, oh no, it's asleep. They were like, just shake it. You know, like, I was like, no, no, no. I think I'm just going to stand like this. And then I moved. I was like, ah, you know what I'm talking about. Abdormition, that's what's that. How about this one? Morsicatio, Morsicatio Bacarum. Do you know what this one means? No? I don't know. Forget about it. You don't know. There's no way. Put it up on the screen. How does anybody know what this means? Sometimes you bite the inside of your cheek by accident. Then you get that little ridge of tissue that sticks out. So you end up biting it again and again. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what that is. All right. Doesn't it just remove all of the fear of that word? Unless this happens to you and you're like, your eyes are watering thinking about it. My brother-in-law has a real problem with this because when he eats, he's like, ah, 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 you know, and uh, <laughs> one time he had a morsicatio bacarum happening and um, he bit it like two or three times in a row. Whew. Last one is this, sternitate. Sternitate, right? Which if someone around you ever sternitates, he just tell them, tell them God bless you because all that is is sneezing. So all it is is sneezing, all right? <laughs> Excuse yourself, but uh, right? These words, we don't really know what they mean, but once you define them, 
it's, it makes it a lot, it's kind of like putting cookies on the bottom shelf. You just understand it a little bit better. It makes it easier. You know, I get what you're saying. And my goal for the next few minutes is to take the meanings of repentance and confession. And for some of you, flip it upside down because it has been so negative and sold to you in such a negative way that you actually resist it instead of embracing it. And the first tool is this, this thing of confession. Confession. Now, whenever we confess, we take responsibility for our sin. When we confess, when we admit, when we apologize, we take admission or we admit we take responsibility for our sin. And it's actually something wonderful because whenever we do it, there's a couple of great things that happen. Number one, 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess or admit our sins to him, that, that God is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Like all, okay? So if you're here today and you feel like maybe you're past that point of all, I'm gonna reiterate the word all means everything. Like all of it. Like every day, like last night, like all of it. Like God will forgive wherever you're at, okay? And then James 5, 16 says, if you confess or admit your sins to each other and pray for each other, you'll be healed. Confession is such a positive thing whenever you read these scriptures. How does it convert from that to like confess? Now, this is the question. Why do you think if we understand what confession means and the results of it, which are positive, sort of like whenever we apologize in a relationship, maybe you're married and you have to apologize like every other day because that's just how life goes when you're married. It's just like marriage is just one constant apology, right? I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Whenever you apologize, it removes all the animosity. It removes the disunity and, and, and it's just all gone. It dissipates because why? You admitted it. You take responsibility for it. So if we know that, if we know what confession brings, why don't we confess? Why don't we confess to God? And then also, why don't we confess to people? If we know that if we will confess to God, he'll forgive. And if we confess to people, we'll be healed. It's this dual thing that's taking place. Why don't we, why don't we do it? The reason is simply this is that if we, we feel that if we let people know the true us, who we really are, the, the thoughts, the actions that we've really done, we are fearful that we will be rejected. We're fearful that somebody will not love us through it, but they'll reject us and we'll remain right where we're at. Whenever the Bible clearly says something completely different, now, I know a lot of you have probably, you know, been around church for a while and maybe you have stepped out and confessed something to someone at, at some point and it became very negative. I wanna let you know that that wasn't the right way it was supposed to happen. Confession is, is, I mean, you're being fully honest and open and transparent. And yes, of course, sometimes there's a payment, right? Like there's a, I mean, come on. Next time you get a ticket, just walk up to the judge and say, look, I know, I know that I but I'm sorry. He'd be like, that's great. That'll be $250, all right? Right, there's still a thing there. But, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this forgiveness and this healing process that, be, that has begun whenever you confess. See, we go to God for forgiveness. We go to people for healing. And some of you are going to God 
but you're not going to people and you don't have any friends to walk it out with you. It takes a lot of humility, takes a lot of honesty, but, but God, I believe, is pushing us that direction. And let me tell you something. You don't confess your sins to a person to find forgiveness. Like, there's not a person that can absolve you from your sins. It's inaccurate. That's what God does. Like, that's what Jesus created. Like, he created this direct line to God. He is our mediator, right? So, so we go to God for forgiveness. We go to people for healing. But can I be real with you? I've grown up in church. Uh, 33 years old, and, and I was in the womb in church. And uh, one thing that I've seen that has constantly been a, a sort of frustrating to me is this. When somebody comes out of the world, right, they get saved, and they got all this junk that they've been in, and, but man, they just confess it all, and they receive forgiveness, and everybody's like, they get on the mic, and they, and they confess, and they just tell everybody they testified. Everybody yells and shouts, and it's so exciting. But there's this weird thing that takes place whenever you're in church for a long time, where it goes from this, everybody's open and, and honest and excited about somebody coming out of the world. But once you get in the church, it's like all of a sudden you're fully sanctified and never have an issue. And then you feel like you can't do what James 5 is saying and confess anymore because I gotta keep up the facade. I gotta keep the smile, right? Like, yeah, how's things going? It's wonderful, right? You're in a small group and everybody's talking and, and you just feel like you can't be honest. It's frustrating because then what happens is you get isolated and you get cornered and sin begins to cre creep in and I'm the only one and it's just me. And now I have the power in and of myself. I'll overcome it. I'm confessing to God, but I've got no help outside of that. And we get first John, but we, we forget James. I would really love it if Northwood Church was a place that's known, where a place that you could be open and honest and confess our faults one to another and be healed. Yeah? I think, I think it would be helpful for us who are here already, but also for those who are coming. It's a, place, a hospital, this is a place where you find healing and hope. But man, the enemy has a way of twisting things. And he twists confession into this negative thing whenever it's actually a beautiful thing. The second tool is repentance. When we repent, we are turning from sin and turning to God. Repentance, it's about change and turning, Okay, going this direction and turning and now going this direction. It's that simple. And repentance is marked by change. A lot of people confess, but then it's not followed up by repentance and change. There's a few different reasons for that. One of which uh, was actually in the video a second ago about, about the way that you think. You know, because guess what? You could go into a prison if you don't change the way that you think and find healing in certain areas. You go right back out and guess what? Same thing happens again. And see, that's something that we can see. If we have a friend or family member that maybe has, has been in that system for a while, we see that. However, the same thing happens in us. It just might not be something that everybody else can see. And so we hide it well, but we keep going through the same cycle over and over because there's not been a change of thinking. 
Romans 12, two says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, changing the way that you process information. Because then after that, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. A lot of people are searching for the will of God for their life. They're searching for purpose. Can I encourage you to, to continue to get to know God and repent and change and, and stay in that process? Because if you remove yourself from that process, you remove yourself from moving forward. Repent and turn. This is what Acts 3.19 says. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And here's the hope. Repent and confess and turn so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Some of your walks with God are frail and brittle and dry and empty. And you need God to come in with just a big old pitcher of water and just pour it over the top of it, man. You need life. You know, uh, I watch these nature shows from time to time and, and one of the most in, I guess intriguing things to me are the parts in the desert where there's no life and everything all dried up. And then all of a sudden the rainy season comes, right? And then the water just rushes in and, and it goes from die, dead and desolate to alive. Like there were like seeds and things in that, on those dry areas. And when that water came, it all came to life. And many of our lives are in that place. Why? Because there's no renewal. There's no rhythm of renewal where we are confessing and repenting and allowing God to bring times of refreshing into our life. I love the way that Psalms 32 puts it. And this is actually what we're gonna close with today. I wanna read to you Psalm 32. It says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Come on, how many people in this room, through your disobedience has been forgiven, your sin has been put out of sight? Isn't that a good feeling to know that, to be secure in that? Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When's the last time that you lived your life in complete honesty? Where if you sat there and you said, is there anything in my life that people don't know about? Or I haven't confessed to God, where you could say, there's nothing. I'm completely open, like there's nothing I'm hiding. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline, God's hand of discipline was heavy. Come on, if you've lived in that lifestyle, you know how debilitating that is. He says, he says my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But then he says this, finally, Finally, today is gonna to be some of y'all's finally. I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Come on, the, the monster in the closet, right? The light got turned on and it was like, that was it? <laughs> I hear people say, uh, you know, sometimes they say, whenever we, we see, you know, we, get, we, get, uh, we, we die, we go to heaven and, and at some point, we're gonna see like the real Satan and we're gonna look and be like, is this the one? Like that's, this is the guy. This is the thing that caused all of, all of this, right? Because that's what sin and death is. 
It's this frail, dying thing. We have hope in God. You forgave me, all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Can I be honest with you today? Whenever we come together, it's a celebration. Whenever we sing together, it's a celebration. And I'm gonna be honest. I think a lot of people are held back from being able to sing openly and worship openly and express their hearts because there's no songs of victory in their life. They're living a life of defeat. I'm not gonna say that you're not saved or, or all that. I don't know, man, God's, God's the judge, but I'm telling you this. He desires for you not to just be saved, but be, be victorious. Like not just to get justified, but to, to, to move forward in knowing him and finding the victory that he has for you. Some people are okay with just eking out a relationship with God. Like, I'm, I, th I think I'm good. I, I'm pretty sure. Versus like this victorious, like this, this overcoming spirit. Man, come on, that's what God brings in our life. Songs of victory. The Lord says this. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and I'll watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or a mule that, that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control, being forced into something. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. It's full circle. Confession, repentance, living a life of devotion, drawing close to God. These are things that renew your relationship with God and keep this thing real in your life. Religion is something that a lot of people have and they're missing the whole relationship side of it. They got a lot of rules, but it's, it's like a Brit. I mean, a, a bit or a bridle on a horse. He's like, I don't want you to live like that. I want you to know me and I wanna know you. And today, some of you, you're far from God. You don't really truly know God, but today's a day that you can choose to follow Jesus, surrender everything. And guess what? His grace is gonna be sufficient for you. He will justify you. He will forgive you. All you have to do is confess. That's the gospel. Amen? Amen, I wanna pray for you right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. First thing, if you're in this place and, and you know that you're far from God, but today you wanna come close, you wanna take that first step, you wanna be justified, receive Jesus into your life. We're gonna say a prayer here in a moment. You don't have to repeat after me, but we're gonna pray together. And I want you to pray to your God and receive that free gift of salvation that he has for you. You put your faith in God, you put your trust in him. And all you have to do is surrender. And for some people that sounds too simple, but the gospel really is very simple. God did it all. He did it. He knows you, he sees you, he's heard your prayers. The Bible says that a broken and contrite heart, God doesn't deny. So you come to him with nothing and he gives you everything. So we're gonna pray right now. And I want you in your own words, give your heart to Jesus today. He's gonna change you. Let's pray. Say, God, I come before you humbly and broken right now. 
God, giving you my, my failures and my successes and my guilt, my shame, all of the effort. I've been trying to be pure. I've been on my own. I've been trying to be righteous on my own. And today I just put it all down. I lay it all down. And God, I, I, I ask that you would redeem me, that you would restore my life, that you would take, like the Bible says, a, a stony heart that doesn't hear and doesn't know you and replace it with a heart of flesh that hears and sees and understands you, God. A heart that convicts and a heart that responds to your voice. Today, I receive the free gift of salvation. And I thank you for your redemption. Jesus, I thank you for shedding your blood, your innocent blood to pay the price for my sin, for your body being broken so that I could have life. I receive salvation in Jesus' name. Now I wanna take a, a second longer and I wanna pray for all of us. Come on, there's a lot of us in this place that we haven't been living a life of confession and repentance. It's something that's foreign. But today you realize, man, it's been, it's been so long since I've truly dedicated my life, surrendered my heart to God and asked him to search me and cleanse me of anything. Come on, we may be justified, but this process of purification, it's consistently there. We, we need to constantly be in uh, observing it and thinking about it and praying through it. So God, right now in all of our hearts, Father, we are asking for you to expose, shine your light upon anything in our heart that is separating from us from you. The things that are causing us not to hear your voice, the noise that is drowning out the life that you have for us. Jesus, we confess our faults to you. We confess our sin, our, our thinking that doesn't line up with your word. God, we choose to give you access to every part of us right now. And God, right now we repent. We turn from that. God, we identify it as wrong. And God, we side with you. Lord, I pray that you take the words that were spoken today, that you drill them deep into every person's heart. God, let us walk out of this place changed. And Lord, let us see it this week as we live out in our life. God, the things that used to not mess with us that are wrong, God, I pray that they begin to mess with us because it's your spirit operating in us. God, we vow to be responsive to that. We love you and we thank you for your grace and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for all those people who gave their hearts to God today? There's a lot of them, I believe it. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church want to help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. 
Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.